Listen to this. This is the stat of the day. The Taliban has $7.2 billion worth of U.S. military equipment. A report just came out. Remember, we were leaving so much stuff behind as we so hurriedly got out of there. You know, so, I, I'm not I'm not suggesting anybody raise up a militia and grow a beard and kidnap the governor of Michigan or anything. But everybody listening, checking out the podcast down the road, all of us, everybody who works on the show, everybody we work with and all our relatives, every dime we pay in taxes over our entire lives have gone to giving the Taliban our equipment. <laughs> in yeah. effect. Yeah. 78 aircraft worth about a billion dollars, 9,524 air-to-ground munitions valued at $6.5 million. Boy, uh, President Zelensky would like a lot of this stuff, I'm sure. Over 40,000 vehicles. 40,000 vehicles. You can't even picture that. No, you can't. More than 300,000 weapons. Nearly all night vision, surveillance, communications, and biometric equipment provided to the Afghan Defense Forces were left behind, according to this a report that just came out from the Special Inspector General uh, looking into this after the horrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. Which nice job. I know that sent uh, Joe Biden's approval ratings into a spiral he's never recovered from. It should have. That is one of the most incompetent things we've ever did, ever done, even if you fully believed he was right to get out of there. You can't get out leaving behind $7.2 billion worth of stuff for some of the worst human beings on Earth. That is really sickening. I did a, a little uh, quick research. We gave the Taliban, because I wanted to be able to picture this, every vehicle in the total parking for LAX almost times two. Every single vehicle in every parking lot at LAX, almost times two, we gifted to the Taliban. Nicely done. Nice plan. Yeah, yeah, worked out great. Great. Um, so uh, the guy who draws Dilbert continues to be in the news, is that right? Oh, yeah, Scott Adams, who got canceled for shooting off his mouth. Uh, what he said, he could have said it a lot better, but he's now speaking out about getting canceled and how he feels about it and uh, defending himself. So it's pretty interesting. All around that stupid Reddit poll that is a is a, is a, is a, is a way to bait people into racist responses. Do you know about that? Pretty much. Yeah. That's a a frightening uh, aspect of modern life. Anyway, stay tuned for this stuff and more. Armstrong and Getty. The thing that your audience probably doesn't know, which is the hilarious thing that came out of this, is that it's almost entirely white people that canceled me. It might be entirely, because they're the ones who own the publishing companies and the newspapers. That is Scott Adams, the uh, brilliant creator of Dilbert, the quarter of controversy, defender of Trump, and weigher into of many uh, public debates these days. That doesn't surprise me at all, what he just said. Does it you? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Not at all. No, I can't honestly. Yeah. So he got on the wrong side of a, uh, uh, a racial issue, and uh, the, the, the white people who want racial justice, which I do too, uh, canceled him. 
Okay, that's what happens. Yeah, there's there's a Rasmussen poll that came out polling uh, black people on a particular phrase. It's okay to be white, which is sometimes associated with uh, right wing groups that are then portrayed in the media as being white supremacist groups. Whether that's accurate or not, sometimes it is often it isn't. And so this this the poll was fraught with all sorts of different dynamics going on and then it was 53 percent of black people i think it is said uh they agree with the phrase it's okay to be white which the daily beast then calls a trollish hate slogan with roots in white supremacy how many of the black people in the poll had any idea that nobody Who didn't nobody i mean i know it's just so it's so full of people trying to push competing narratives and scott adams to me, almost fell for it, saying, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but and I should, I apologize, but if uh, you know that other 47% of black people don't think it's okay for me to be white, they're a hate group, and the best thing for white America to do is avoid black people. And so everybody who is just desperate, desperate to be offended these days, because if you're offended, you get all the attention. Uh, announced that he was evil and clearly a Klansman for saying that. So anyway, Scott <laughs> Adams went on... Uh, clear, uh, so uh, uh, Scott Adams goes on uh, Chris Cuomo's show. Uh, apparently, Chris Cuomo has a show on News Nation, and he did practically the entire hour talking about this. Here are a couple more clips of Scott Adams, uh, 26. You don't uh, think the black, black people, people were offended? To, let me tell you. So far, every black person I've talked to, and of course, a lot of people contacted me, said that they said, hey, what's going on? And I said, look at the context. They would look at the context. And they said, oh, I get what you're saying. That was kind of, kind of alarming the way I first heard it. But I get what you're saying. So black America is actually completely fine, both conservative and liberal, if they see the context. Well, it's like that uh, colleague of ours who lost his career for saying all lives matter, not knowing that that phrase had become a something you couldn't say mm-hmm. and 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 not being able to have the conversation where you just explain to people oh no i didn't know that people had decided that was the wrong thing i just mean that you know i think i don't like anybody to get hurt you should be able to have that conversation and everything would be fine but you can't in a sane society yeah, absolutely and scott adams point obviously is that if anybody says no it's not okay to be white they are a racist and they should be avoided he had no idea of the subtext and that just the whole poll and all of it is so bad. But you're right. That is the key point and the point that should be driven home. And we've tried over and over again. But, you know, who knows? Maybe someday the sun will rise, the sun of sanity, where uh, you can say, no, that's not what I meant. Here's exactly what I mean. Here's exactly what I meant. No, no. We caught you saying that. We caught you saying the forbidden phrase. Now we get to ruin your career. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. I mean, the, the people are like vicious idiot beasts. Yeah, it's weird. not like human beings at all. It's weird, but as I tell my kids, it's true. Even if it's weird and doesn't make any sense, it is true. You will lose your career. That is real. Hit number 27, Michael. White America kind of acts like you. Let's talk about this poll. Why did you say the poll? Why did you say the thing? I just said the poll wasn't important. It was just a jumping off point. And you shouldn't take any of the hyperbole seriously. It was meant to get people riled up. I just misjudge how much. That's interesting. <laughs> Him saying, look, I was uh, looking to stir things up and have a conversation, and uh, I stirred things up more than I expected to. I'm sure he didn't want to get canceled, but I, I, I assume he's got ungodly money, so he'll be okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
He's got to, unless he's got like 27 ex-wives and a coke habit. Yeah, he's got plenty of money. <laughs> Four hours we do every day. Some of it is, oh. some of it you'd like. If you ever miss an hour, you can look for it in podcast form, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. That's a good thing to do. You're going to get to a whole bunch of things in hour four, including, have you seen the new flying bike that they invented? Have you seen this? i got to get one of these. I'm scared. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A new IAEA report suggests uranium particles enriched up to 83.7%, just short of weapons grade, were found in Iran's underground nuclear site at Fardo, and two cascades of advanced centrifuges were configured in a way that suggests Iran is speeding up its enrichment. Nice. Putting aside the fact that Fardo sounds like a character from Beavis and Butthead, um... Yeah, it's it's absolutely clear that Iran is vaulting towards having a nuclear weapon with the help of their good new friends, the Russians. Oof, we Let's don't want we don't want Iran, Iran to get a weapon. We're seeing Ugh. the advantages having nukes gives you, and that Russia can do so many awful things, and the world stands back because they have nuclear weapons. Iran wants to be like that. Yeah, we know. Signed, Kim Jong Un. Uh, give us ninety six, Michael. The Pentagon's uh, so Undersecretary of Defense for Policy testified last week that Iran is closer than ever to a nuclear weapon since the U.S. pulled out of the nuclear deal. Back in 2018, it would have taken Iran about 12 months uh, to produce one uh, bomb's worth of fissile material. Uh, now it would take about 12 days. Fox News Digital has learned that Iran has secured secret deals with Russia to guarantee deliveries of uranium in the future. Brett? There are plenty of reasonable people that believe that this would have happened with or without the nuclear deal so let's not pretend that that's why uh that this is happening they've been working on this for years uh, we we always have in our back pocket the fact that israel is not going to let iran get a nuclear weapon right right but you know when iran was uh, selling arms to russia and giving them drones and stuff like that i i got to admit it hadn't occurred to me and it should have because it's absolutely obvious all right why is iran so into this now countering the u.s always screwing with us when they can but yeah russia said hey we'll help you out with your nuke program yeah i'm surprised they just haven't flat out handed them a bomb or unless they have unless they already have right um uh I got to think that Benjamin Netanyahu is on the phone on a regular basis with old MBS there in Saudi Arabia, and they're both talking about how they're going to make sure Iran doesn't get a nuclear weapon. And those are two military powerhouses with great interest in Iran not having a nuclear weapon. Yes, no kidding. Boy, spicy, spicy times. God, I'd say. I feel like I'm I'm sitting at the table red-faced, sweat pouring down my face, ordering a milk because it's the meal's been way too spicy, and then the waiter brings out the, the wings and says, "Now here are the really hot ones." I don't I don't Make it want anymore. To. Make it spicy. No, Arnold, I don't want to. These times are too spicy. Have you ever watched that show that YouTube channel with whatever kind of spicy <laughs> food that is? Where they bring the celebrities out and they eat the hot stuff. It's pretty, pretty I saw like a 10-second clip of it once and I yeah. <laughs> pretty entertaining. Yeah craziness i have very low tolerance for spicy food by the way when we were talking about tiktok earlier uh we got this text joe accidentally disparaged tic tac the fabulous zero calorie breath mint <laughs> i know and i apologize for that that was sloppy of me ill-considered and, and and indefensible what's your go-to flavor of tic tac which is a color the, the flavor is a color the peppermint which is the white original or, white or green 
White, white. Uh, green is the unholy uh, winter grain, <laughs> which is a bastard mint, if you ask me. <laughs> a bastard mint. Oh, geez. Um, we got a bunch of other stuff we got to get to. We really do. There's a little more in the whole Fauci cover-up thing, which is quite maddening. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, what else? There was something else I wanted to talk about. So many things. R- so, many, so little time. Uh, uh, accusations of racism on ESPN, for instance. Lots of stuff. Armstrong and Getty. Hello, America. Mark Levin, and this is Life, Liberty, and Levin. Thank you for joining us on a very, very important program. Have you noticed, I'd say the last three, four, five years, the level of incompetence of the ruling class and the amount of cover-up and censorship and lies that take place. They want more and more power centralized in Washington, D.C. They want to say over every aspect of your life. And then, when it comes to them actually doing their duties, they won't do them. And probably the greatest uh, source for this kind of misdirection and incompetence is the American media. I mean, Russia collusion. They handed out Pulitzer Prizes like lollipops. The problem was there was no Russia collusion. The media pushing government propaganda about masks, and now we have thorough studies that say masks have no consequence, or lockdowns and shutdowns that destroyed people's lives, their businesses, their home lives, and so forth. Uh, Now we know lockdowns didn't do a damn thing. And we could go on and on and on. What about natural immunity? We had experts from Stanford and and, uh, Rockefeller College and Oxford and Yale who said natural immunity is what we need the elderly and those who have uh, other kind of uh, serious issues uh, medically, uh, perhaps they should have vaccines, but we don't need vaccines for the entire country. Didn't matter. Now, what about the origin of this virus, of the COVID virus? This to me is one of the biggest scandals in American history, if not one of the biggest scandals in medical and scientific history. There was an entire propaganda campaign led by CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, CBS, NBC, ABC. The only major network that dared to question this was Fox. Just as Fox questioned and people on Fox, Russia collusion. Just as folks here questioned mass. Just as folks here questioned lockdowns. And we happen to be right. The news operation in Fox is second to none. And those who provide opinions here really are top of the line as far as I'm concerned. But let's get into this. Let's talk briefly about the story of the origin of COVID that killed millions of people worldwide at the hands of the Communist Party in China that's still in cover-up mode, threatening anybody who dares to even raise this issue. And still, Joe Biden is in cover-up mode, the Manchurian president who's bought and paid for, in my humble opinion, by that government. One of the first real scientific analyses of this was by Nicholas Wade. I had him here almost two years ago to discuss this. And he became in many quarters a pariah, even though this is a man who's been an investigative science writer for almost half a century. And he wrote this 35-page significant essay. Well, where did this virus come from? Was it man-made or was it natural? And he said, we don't have the hard proof because they won't let us in the lab, which would give us the hard proof. But he said, the overwhelming evidence points to the lab. And I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. He said, the virus that has caused the pandemic is known officially as SARS-CoV-2. 
but can be called SARS-S2 for short. As many people know, there are two main theories about its origin. One is that it jumped naturally from wildlife to people. The other is that the virus was under study in a lab from which it escaped. It matters a great deal which is the case if we hope to prevent a second such occurrence. He goes on. He says, from early on, public and media perceptions were shaped in favor of the natural emergence scenario by strong statements from two scientific groups. Remember those two letters? These statements were not at first examined as critically as they should have been. Now, who should have examined them? The media. He writes, contrary to the letter writer's assertion, the first letter, the idea that the virus might have escaped from a lab invoked an accident, not a conspiracy. It surely needed to be explored, not rejected out of hand. A defining mark of good scientists is that they go to great pains to distinguish between what they know and what they don't know. By this criterion, the signatories of the Lancet letter, that first letter, were behaving as poor scientists. They were assuring the public of facts they could not know for sure were true. It later turned out that the Lancet letter had been organized and drafted by Peter Daszak, president of the EcoHealth Alliance of New York. Daszak's organization funded coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. If the SARS-2 virus had indeed escaped from research he funded, Dozik would be potentially culpable. This acute conflict of interest was not declared to the Lancet readers. In other words, he helps organize this letter, gets several dozen people to sign it, and doesn't reveal that money was washed through his organization to go to the lab for gain-of-function research. To the contrary, the letter concluded, we declare no competing interests. Virologists like Daszak have much at stake in the assigning of blame for the pandemic. For 20 years, mostly beneath the public's attention, they've been playing a dangerous game. In their laboratories, they routinely created viruses more dangerous than those that exist in nature. They argued that they could do so safely and that by getting ahead of nature, they could predict and prevent natural spillovers, the crossover of viruses from an animal host to people. The SARS-S2, the coronavirus, had indeed escaped from such a laboratory experiment, a savage blowback that could be expected, and the storm of public indignation would affect virologists everywhere, not just in China. And he goes on. The second letter by an American group, the Anderson Group, grounded in nothing but two inconclusive speculations, convinced the world's press that SARS-2 could not have escaped from a lab. A technical critique of the Anderson letter takes it down in harsher words. Science is supposedly a self-correcting community of experts who constantly check each other's work. So why didn't other virologists point out that the Anderson Group's argument, that second letter, was full of absurdly large holes? Perhaps because in today's university, speech can be very costly. Careers can be destroyed for stepping out of line. Any virologist who challenges the community's declared view risks having his next grant application turned down by the panel of fellow virologists that advises the government grant distribution agency, and they are mocked and humiliated by MSNBC hosts, by CNN hosts, by the New York Times, by the Washington Post. They are mocked and humiliated by CBS and NBC and ABC. The media in this country is a disaster. It just gives you the scarlet letter. And then they don't want a discussion. And you see it throughout. You saw it with the Hunter Biden laptop and on and on and on with issue after issue after issue because they're ideologically driven like never before.
He says, natural emergence, that is, animal demand, was the media's preferred theory till around February 2021 and the visit by a World Health Organization commission to China. The commission's composition and access were heavily controlled by the Chinese authorities. Its members, who included the ubiquitous Mr. Dozik, kept asserting before, during, and after their visit the lab escape was extremely unlikely. But this was not quite the propaganda victory that Chinese authorities may have been hoping for. What became clear was that the Chinese had no evidence to offer the commission in support of the natural emergence theory. None. By a strange twist in the story, one of the top Chinese virologists, the top virologist at the Wuhan lab, her work was funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Right, Mr. Fauci? By you. A part of the U.S. National Institutes of Health, the NIH. And grant proposals that funded her work, which are a matter of public records, specify exactly what she planned to do with the money. The grants were assigned to the prime contractor, this guy Dozik, of the EcoHealth Alliance, who subcontracted them to Xi. That is the, the uh, expert, the virologist in China I was just talking about. So you can see these connections and you can see how in so many ways we were sold out as a people. What this means in non-technical terms is that she set out to create novel coronaviruses with the highest possible infectivity for human cells. The methodical approach was designed to find the best combination of coronavirus backbone and spike protein for infecting human cells. It cannot yet be said that she did or did not generate the SARS-2 in her lab because her records have been sealed. But it seems she was certainly on the right track to have done so. It is clear that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was systematically constructing novel chimeric coronaviruses and was assessing their ability to infect human cells and human ACE2 expressing mice, says Richard A. Elbert, a molecular biologist at Rutgers University and leading expert. It is also clear, he said, that depending on the constant genomic contexts chosen for analysis, the work could have produced SARS-CoV-2, or a proximal progenitor of SARS-CoV-2. The lab escape scenario for the origin of the SARS virus, SARS-2, the coronavirus, as should now be evident, is not mere hand-waving in the direction of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It is a detailed proposal based on the specific project being funded by the NIAID. You didn't hear that from any of the media at the time. You did hear it here and on this network. Required levels of lab safety. What are the required levels? For this, it's supposed to be what they call BSL-4. What's BSL-4? The most restrictive and designed for deadly pathogens like the Ebola virus, like the research on what would become the coronavirus. What happened? It was down at BSL level 2. The new lab has a serious shortage of appropriately trained technicians and investigators needed to safely operate this high-contaminant laboratory. The inspectors wrote in a cable to the State Department, ours, in 2018. The real problem was not the unsafe state of the Wuhan BSL-4 lab, but the fact that virologists worldwide don't like working in BSL-4 conditions. They have to put all these suits on and these masks on, and in that lab, they weren't. It's clear that some or all this work was being performed using a biosafety standard level two. 
Even more, three people working at a BSL-3 lab at the Institute fell sick within a week of each other with severe symptoms that required hospitalization. This was the first known cluster that we're aware of, of the victims of what we believe to be COVID-19. Influenza can't be completely ruled out, but seemed unlikely under these circumstances. Well, of course it does. Now, what about the natural side, that it jumped from animals to man? The uniform structure of SARS-2, the coronavirus gnomes, gives no hint of any passage through an intermediate animal host, and no such host has been identified in nature. Proponents of natural emergence, including in the media, including Fauci and our entire government, suggest that SARS-2 incubated in a yet-to-be-found human population before gaining its special properties, or that it jumped to a host animal outside China. All these conjectures are possible, but strained. Proponents of a lab leak have a simpler explanation. SARS-2 was adapted to human cells from the start because it was grown in humanized mice or in lab cultures of human cells, just as described in Daszak's grant proposal originally. So you can see that the weight of evidence is overwhelming for a lab leak, and this is several years ago. The direct from Bat's thesis is a chimera between the natural emergence and lab escape scenarios. It's a possibility that cannot be dismissed. But against it are the facts. Neither the natural emergence nor the lab escape hypotheses can yet be ruled out. There's still no direct evidence for either, so no definitive conclusion can be reached. That said, the available evidence leads more strongly in one direction than the other. Readers will form their own opinion, but it seems to me that proponents of lab escape can explain all the available facts about SARS-2 considerably more easily than can those who favor natural emergence. It's documented that researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were doing gain-of-function experiments designed to make the coronavirus infect human cells and humanized mice. This is exactly the kind of experiment from which SARS-like virus could have emerged. The researchers were not vaccinated against the viruses under study. They were working in minimal safety conditions at a BSL-2 lab, so escape of a virus would not be at all surprising. In all of China, the pandemic broke out on the doorstep of the Wuhan Institute. The virus was already well adapted to humans, as expected for a virus grown in humanized mice. It possessed an unusual enhancement, a furing cleavage site, which is not possessed by any other known SARS-related beta coronavirus. And this site included a double arginine condone, also unknown among beta coronaviruses. What more evidence could you want, aside from the presently unobtainable lab records documenting SARS-2's creation? And then he goes on to point out, what did the proponents of the national emergence have, the natural emergence? Nothing. Zero. And now we have the energy department says, well, it probably came from this lab. And now we have the FBI director saying it did come from this lab. And I want to remind you of something. If this leak hadn't occurred, that is the leak of this information earlier this week, we still wouldn't know about this. This is a massive scandal and cover-up by the federal government on behalf of the communist Chinese. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. 
All right, time for Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, expert on the safety and efficacy of the COVID vaccine, and author of the book, Courage to Face COVID-19. The website is CourageToFaceCOVID.com. CourageToFaceCOVID.com. He is, in fact, courageous and a hero. Dr. Peter McCullough, you're on with Wayne Root. How are you? Wayne, great to see you. It's uh, it's great to be on your show. It's amazing. You range through Drago and then uh, Woodstock and LSD. It keeps going and going. You know, I'm in my new practice location in McKinney, Texas. Uh, wonderful to be back with uh, patients. I was out uh, for a few weeks uh, changing, and uh, things are good. But a lot of lot of updates now from the, the Senate, the uh, House Select Committee on Coronavirus Origins. Well, let's talk about him. And by the way, I happen to know McKinney, Texas well, because my wife, Cindy, is from uh, Fort Worth in Dallas, and she's dying to move back to Dallas. I don't know if we're going to, but in the next three years, we're thinking about it. Not tomorrow, but some of the places we looked at moving to, Plano, Frisco, and McKinney, right? They're all right next to each other in that, that little circle, Plano, Frisco, McKinney. That's where you are, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful suburb. You know, I live in Dallas, but I could be... Uh, I could be um convinced to move up to the beautiful you know, rolling hills of the suburb. It's wonderful. I'm in practice with Brian Proctor. He's been an early treatment COVID hero. Uh, we have a now a cardiology unit in McKinney Family Medicine building on El Dorado. So tell all your friends they need to see the best doctors in the world here at McKinney Family Medicine. You know, this, uh, this House investigation on Fauci, Wayne, is looking really, really bad right now. Bad for Fauci, right? Bad for Fauci. It is. uh, You know what? There were multiple scientists who were emailing him in January of 2020, uh, including Christian Anderson from the Scripps Institute, said, listen, this thing got out of the lab in Wuhan. Uh, Fauci and Francis Collins' boss hold a teleconference, 11 scientists around from all over the world, Australia, America, elsewhere. And, you know, then the outcome is four days later, Christian Anderson changes his tune and says, you know what? It didn't come from the lab. Uh, it came from a fish market. And then on top of that, Jeremy Farrar, who was on the call, who's the director of the Welcome Trust, a pro-vaccine uh, NGO like the Gates Foundation, Jeremy Farrar ghostwrites this paper that's published in um, a science, uh, Nature Science, that says – you know what, there's no way it came from the lab. Fauci in April is on a press conference and says, you know what, there's going to be a paper coming out and is written by credible scientists and said it doesn't come out of the lab. It came from a fish market. So it's clear now that Fauci is knee-deep in the cover-up. Yeah, and I, and I saw, by the way, I saw there's proof that he used government grants to pay scientists to, to lie and to write reports that it came from a fish market. So he used government money, taxpayer money, to convince those doctors and scientists to lie and to write those reports. Pretty disgusting. But let's say allegedly, just keep ourselves safe. But I think Fauci comes out to be the really bad character in all of this. They're all, yeah, let me see what you think about this theory. It's, hor- it's horrible what's happened, Dr. Peter McCullough. So many people have died from this vaccine. So many people are injured from this vaccine. So many athletes have dropped dead. So many children are dropping dead. So many children have myocarditis. The death rates are skyrocketing. Everything's horrible. Uh, my only explanation for all this 
is greed. I just think everybody got rich off the vaccine. They all owed stock in Pfizer and Moderna, and they made a fortune. The politicians, the media, the people reporting on it, the doctors, everybody said, if I buy the stock, I'll get rich. And then they didn't want to say anything bad about it because the stock would have gone down. They all made a fortune. The FDA commissioners, the AMA, the uh, CDC, the WHO, everybody must have gotten the word. Buy stock in big pharma, the vaccine makers, and you'll get rich. Do you, do you assume that I'm right, that that's why they were all so hesitant to ever say a bad word? Well, it's certainly either individual stock purchases, which can be traced, or certainly through huge investment firms like BlackRock. Uh, many right. think that the high wealth people in the United States would not go against the agenda just because of the power of BlackRock and some of the other big uh, you know, investment houses that hold so much. It, it looked like these guys for sure knew a vaccine was coming long before anybody else did. So they had plenty of time to buy low and then ride this thing out as the companies raked in record, record revenues and profits. Let's talk about heart inflammation, otherwise known as myocarditis. And it's rising in comparison to all other medicines, meaning with the COVID vaccine, it's rising compared to all other vaccines and medicines, especially for young people between the ages of 18 and 29. Can you explain to me, Dr. Peter McCullough, if this vaccine causes heart attacks and heart inflammation and heart issues with people between 18 and 29, why wouldn't it also be causing terrible heart issues and complications with everybody else all the way up to age 100? Why only 18 to 29? You know, myocarditis, just heart inflammation in the muscle, uh, take that as an isolated condition. It was very rare before COVID, about four cases per million per year in a, in a paper by Arolia and colleagues, a giant cell, powerful virus, different etiologies. It always affects 90% boys, and the peak age is typically around 20 or so. That's before COVID. It must have some special relationship to androgen receptors and post-pubertal uh -huh. changes. Now bring, it, now bring in COVID. COVID itself in 2020 caused rare cases of myocarditis no more than above the baseline in a paper by two Valley and colleagues from Israel demonstrated that. Remember the NCA Big Ten had screening programs, so did the military. They dropped it because they didn't really find substantial numbers of cases, no hospitalizations and deaths before the vaccines. Now bring in the vaccines, we see an absolute explosion of cases, two papers one by Mansugian, the other one by Lepesic, show probably the rate of myocarditis now with the vaccines is 2.5% or 25,000 cases per million. Peak is weighing 18 to 24, but it does tail up into people our age, Wayne. Remember, you and I are about the same age, mm -hmm. you and your wonderful uh, new wife, uh, who I've met now several times. Cindy, yes, uh, And Cindy. the case example is, yes, Cindy. Well, you know, case example, Wayne, is Bruce Arians, coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. He yep. pushes the vax, pushes the vax many times. He spends October in the hospital with myocarditis. Bruce Arians is upper 60s, early 70s, so it can happen. That's myocarditis. Separately, there is the progression of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. So if there's heart blockages present, the vaccine can also accelerate those, and that causes traditional heart attacks. And so that's the reason why we're hearing about both problems myocarditis and heart attacks. Very importantly, Wayne, if there's myocarditis, we cannot let them play sports. That was in our guidelines before all this, because if they play sports, there'll be a surge of adrenaline and it'll cause a cardiac arrest. John Stockton, my favorite guard on the Utah yes. Jazz, he's keeping track of this. 300 fatal cases now of U.S. athletes dying. We think the vaccine's behind it.
And I've always felt, and again, it's just my opinion, but DeMar Hamlin, all the NFL players have gotten vaccinated. And Buffalo, uh, their general manager is obsessed with vaccines. They all have to get boosted. And, and I'm sure he's vaccinated. I'm sure he's boosted. And I'm sure that accident on the field is, is related in some way, you know, has something to do with the COVID vaccine. Because, boy, are they quiet about, is he quiet about why it happened? He was asked why it happened. And he refused to answer. He said, I will not go there. I will not talk about that. I'm guessing he got paid off by either Pfizer or the NFL to just stay quiet. Here's $20 million. Shut up. You're never going to play football again, but here's your $20 million. I'm guessing. But uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, can we grab you for another segment? We're just running to an ad break. You there, Dr. McCullough? Well, let's, let's assume we got him for another segment, and we'll take a break. When we get back, got lots more to talk about. The latest breaking news about COVID vaccine injuries and deaths with Dr. Peter McCullough, internist, probably the best, uh, most brilliant doctor in America when it comes to the COVID vaccine and side effects. We'll be right back. Wayne Alaroot. I'm back with Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, expert on the safety and efficacy of the COVID vaccine. His book is Courage to Face COVID, and his website is CourageToFaceCOVID.com. Dr. Peter McCullough, tell us about uh, the rise in heart attacks among people 25 to 44 years old. Right, so heart attacks uh, or cardiopulmonary arrest, acute chest pain, uh, they, in that age range, it's much more likely to be myocarditis because it's really too early to develop cholesterol blockages. And we learned about this uh, in a paper by Dr. Retsuf Levi from MIT. He published uh, on, uh, in Israel. Once the vaccines rolled out, Wayne, these calls for heart attacks for the Israeli paramedics skyrocketed. And uh, the only new factor was COVID-19 vaccination. Now we learned, now we learned that myocarditis <clears throat> is resulting in fatal cases. Uh, Patone and colleagues, 100 published fatal cases in the UK. And usually the publications just, are just the tip of the iceberg. We have fatal cases in the United States by Gill, Choi, Very scary. Verma. It's not looking good at this point in time, Wayne. Uh, the, the young individuals, about half of them can't feel the myocarditis uh, the best Terrible. advice is to stop these shots. You know, I testified recently in uh, the House of Representatives of Mississippi in, in a broad call by scientists, pull them off the market. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of studies lately, data from different countries, but mostly the UK, one of them for the United States too, though, CDC stats. And they all said, Dr. Peter McCullough, they all proved the more shots you get, the higher the death or mortality rate rises. So, you know, one shot is bad enough, two shots is bad enough, but don't go to three, don't go to four, don't go to five. And I'm just terrified for the people of Israel. You know, I'm Jewish by birth, and I've always been a huge fan of Israel, and I've always been a huge fan of Benjamin Netanyahu, but boy, did he get paid off by Pfizer. I mean, seriously, they used Israel as the test case for the whole world, and every Israeli's gotten like five shots, including three boosters, and I fear that the entire population of Israel is in grave danger. It's true. You know, recently Israel laid off. But, Wayne, I went to Australia. Talk about people have been vaccinated, you know, basically, you know, to their buckling on their knees. Uh, they've, uh, you know, five uh, shots into it deep. Uh, they, they vaccinated so early and so hard. All the COVID they had was in the fully vaccinated. And you're right. The vaccines don't stop the illness. Uh, many cases, it's more severe in death. Do you know in the original Pfizer post-marketing dossier, Wayne, the first 90 days of Pfizer use, 
there were already fatal COVID cases in people fully vaccinated with Pfizer. So Pfizer knew about this early in 2021. This was all kept uh, away from the public. Now people are outraged. Calls to remove them uh, vaccines from the market all over. Recently at CPAC, Wayne, I, I met Rob Bruce from the Netherlands and Christine Anderson from Germany, both members of the European Parliament. They feel very strongly they should be removed off the European markets as well. Yeah. And, and by the way, the real irony in all of this is that you never needed a vaccine or a mask. If you got COVID, you took ivermectin like I did. I got Iver, I, I did get COVID. I'm kind of shocked because it's the first flu I got in 30 years. And I finally got the flu. It was COVID. I tested positive and I got over it in 48 hours by taking ivermectin and a lot of vitamin C. I took intravenous C. 48 hours, it was gone. And so you never needed to risk your life, but the government and the FDA and the CDC made sure that they poisoned the brand of ivermectin. They said terrible things, a slandered ivermectin. Uh, people would have taken ivermectin if not for all that slandering and demonizing, right? It's true. That that misinformation from the government that it's only a horse dewormer, that's, that's flat out propaganda. You know, in my world travels, I recently was in India. And I learned uh, there that Uttar Pratesh, for instance, they basically just wiped out COVID widespread ivermectin. I've published with the Hondurans, people in, South, in uh, Central America. All the clinical studies of ivermectin have been too small, uh, inconclusive. We have to go with the large population effect and clinical experience. Ivermectin works. Ivermectin works, the gold standard against COVID from what I've seen, from what I've personally experienced, and from what my fans have experienced. So many of them have the same results as me. They were very ill, and they took ivermectin. They got better very quickly. Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, expert on the safety and efficacy of the COVID vaccine, a real hero who's fought the uh, establishment from the very beginning, author of Courage to Face COVID-19. His website is Courage to Face covid Dot com. Dr. Peter McCullough, God bless you for all you've done, my friend. Thanks, Wayne. See you soon. All right. What a good man. What a good man. God, I wish we had more of him. I wish we had a, a, a billion Peter McCulloughs. Wayne Alaroot, we'll be back on USA Radio. <laughs> 